what is one lesson that I've taught you to be fierce? Ooh, fierce is such a word. If you want something, go for it. Emily Abadi here bringing you the final installment of this week's In Focus on Motherhood series. Today for Hurdle, I am bringing on a very special guest and that is my mama, Dina. It's a uh, it was a special conversation. It's interesting as I listen back to the conversation because as I do every week, I'm always a little analytical and I'm wondering What else should I have asked? What else should we have gone into? I think what I loved was getting to know a little bit more about life before she had both me and my brother, Matt. And also just more about her perspective and what life was like for her on her end when I was going through different stages in my life. In today's episode, she shares what it was like for her to kind of play ping pong between the two coasts growing up in Long Island, moving to California, moving back to the East Coast to get married to my dad, how she felt about going back to school after having me, and finding a great sense of purpose after she became a nurse. She also shares some of her proudest moments as a mom, perhaps some of her least proud. She references leaving me at five months old with an 11-year-old babysitter. That story is something. (laughs) Mom, I forgive you. All in all, just a fun little conversation between a mom and a daughter, one that I'm happy that we got to have for the show today. To my mom, Thank you for doing this with me. I love you. Happy Mother's Day. I'm so grateful for you. And you know what I'm really grateful for? I think in the last year, uh, it was a really special opportunity for us to slow down and to find more time to just spend with each other, even though 99% of that time uh, we actually weren't together at all. So grateful for you. I am who I am, a large in part because of you, and I'm excited for the hurdlers to get to meet and know you a little bit better today. A huge thanks to the hurdlers for listening this week and also for rating and reviewing the show in Apple Podcasts. Make sure you're following along with the show on social. It's over at Hurdle Podcast. I am over at Emily Abadi. And with that, let's get to hurdling. Today, I'm sitting down with my mom. Hello. Hello. (laughs) We're sitting in Milford, Connecticut. This is where my mom lives. It's a beautiful day. Did you ever think that you would live in Milford, Connecticut? No, but I always wanted to live near the water. Facts. That's true. And so when you came to Connecticut at first, did you and dad think about living by the water? Dad wanted the woods. Oh, woods. Hard to find woods and water in the same place. Yeah, there's really not too many trees around the Long Island Sound. (laughs) Facts. Facts. Okay. What I want to start off with with you is to ask you if you always knew that you wanted to be a mom. I always wanted to be a mom. Yeah. I wanted the boy first and the girl second. And I got that. (laughs) You found out that Matt was going to be a boy before you had Matt. No. You didn't. No, but when we were trying to choose baby names, we couldn't come up with a girl name. Before Matt. no girl name. And when 
we were going for you, we had no boy name. Really? I can't believe I didn't know that you didn't find out the gender before Matt was born. No, Matthew, I had no opportunity to find the gender, nor did I really want to. I had more of an opportunity to find out your gender because I had to have an amniocentesis before you were born. Wait, so what do you mean you didn't have an opportunity? Would that have just been like an additional appointment that would have cost more money? Well, yeah. Nowadays, they'll tell you that they can tell the sex of a baby through an ultrasound. Mm -hmm. And they're pretty good at it. Yeah. But when I was pregnant with Matthew, they weren't routinely doing ultrasounds. Mm -hmm. So I don't remember having one for him. Hmm. Interesting. I've had friends who have chosen to do both, chosen to find out and chosen not to find out, kind of of the mindset that like when else in your life are you like actually 100% without a doubt completely surprised? I get it. I was surprised. <laughs> I was happily surprised. Yeah. Both times. Both times. On uh, the same day. On the same day. Oh, that's a fun fact. I don't know if I've shared that on the show before. Maybe I have. My brother and I are born four years apart on the same day. Within the same hour. For the hurdlers also to know, I was a little early. How early was I? Three weeks. Three weeks. That's not like obscenely early. I started going into labor with you at 20 some odd weeks. Hmm. You were in a rush. Oh. Yeah. Sounds kind of like <laughs> me today. <laughs> when you were having kids, you grew up with two siblings. Did yes. you think when you started to have children that you wanted to have three or did you always want to have two? I always wanted two. If I would have had three, that would have been okay too. Mm -hmm. But I knew I wanted two. Yeah. Talk to me about growing up for you because you grew up, we're in Connecticut now, but you grew up in? I was born in the Bronx. And I then moved to Long Island when I was six. Six. And how long were you in Long Island for? Till I was about 19. 19. What was life like for you growing up in Long Island? Well, I had an older brother and a younger sister. We lived in Plainview. Mm -hmm. And it was a pretty good growing up time. My grandmother also lived with us. Mm -hmm. Until she passed, we had a lot of neighborhood friends. It was a big neighborhood, so we had neighborhood friends. We went outside and we played all day, all night. We had a lot of a lot of fun with the with the kids and we always had family dinners. We always went to visit the grandparents because they weren't too far away. We had cousins that weren't too far away. So there was a lot of family around as opposed to when I got older and we no longer had family around and now there's very little family. Yeah. So when you were growing up, what was Grammy doing for work and what was Poppy doing for work? Uh, Poppy was a insurance man with mm. the equitable for as long as I could remember. And Grammy was a part-time bookkeeper. Mm -hmm. 
So she was working and my father had a lot of other jobs as well, but he was mostly for my growing up a insurance salesman. And so you said that you were in Long Island until you were 19? Correct. You left Long Island and your family then moved to California? Correct. Okay. Uh, You started college? On Long Island. I went to college for about a year, a year and a half. Um, And then we went to California and I completed my first bachelor's degree at Sacramento State. Did you think about staying in Long Island when your family was moving to California or was that like a non-option? I thought about it, but it was a non-option for my parents. They were not allowing me to stay behind, even though my brother lived in New Jersey at the time. Okay. But they would not allow me to stay. I did want to stay. Did they, they didn't give Alan the same? He was older. He was three years older than me. So he was into his 20s by then and they were like we can't pull this rank he already lived on his own he had a full-time job so he was out on his own yeah I was still under their roof so y'all moved to California you transferred to Sacramento State and when you get to California do you think this is somewhere that I could see myself staying or the entire time you were there you were like I can't wait to get back to the east coast uh pretty much I couldn't wait to get back to the east coast why When you're in your upper teens, heading into your 20s, most of your friends and your familiarities are where you grew up. Mm -hmm. So they were there, but my family was with me in California. I didn't know anybody, and I find that if you don't grow up with the people, it's not always so easy to make new friends because they all have their old high school buddies or their college friends. And here I was going into a new college, which was not necessarily a commuter college because we had plenty of dormitories, but they... I lived on campus. Mm -hmm. Even though I lived in Sacramento, my family lived in Sacramento, I still lived on campus. Yeah. So I did make friends, friends there, but they, I also came in in January. Yeah. So they had already started. I was put in with a roommate that kind of didn't get along with her first roommate. So there was a whole lot of people that had sectioned off with each other first. So I was kind of a newcomer. It's interesting to me hearing you talk about uh, struggling to find new friends going to a different college. And then also in the car earlier, you were talking about recently making a new friend and you're not 20 anymore. And I think that that is something, a point of conversation that has been on my mind a lot lately and something that I've been talking about a lot lately with some of my existing friends because for me in New York, as more and more people are leaving, like I feel so grateful for my relationships with a lot of people that are no longer in New York and like they're wonderful humans. But I do think you need people to be, you know, around. I can't just spend all of my time alone because all of my friends have left. And I think making friends is hard. It's definitely hard. Making friends is very hard because when you come into new people or a new area, some of these people, especially now at my age or or now that my children aren't little, 
mm-hmm. because when my children were little, lots of people to make friends with. You are going with your children and doing activities, and you're always going to be around other people. Yeah. But when you work full time, you're either making your friends where you work, mm-hmm. or if you even have enough time after you're done working to start looking for other hobbies and activities that interest you so you can find like-minded people. Yeah. So when your children get older and they head out by themselves, there you are by yourself. But a lot of people now have family as well. And when I moved back to Connecticut... I had no family here. There was no family. Um, My closest relative lives in New York Mm -hmm. at this point. So there wasn't anybody here. I was pretty much by myself in a a way. Um, So there was no familial support system when I had my children, for example. It wasn't like I can say to my mother, can you come over and watch the children for a little while so we can go out to dinner, just the two of us, or something like that. There isn't that. And we did meet some people in the original condominium complex we lived in, Mm -hmm. but they also have their own families. Yeah. So everyone has ties, different ties to others. So to be added into their circle mm-hmm. is not always an easy thing. Yeah. No. I mean, I, I totally can sympathize with that. You, you mentioned coming to Connecticut. Talk to me about the decision to move from California back to the East Coast. Well, your dad asked me to marry him. And when I had met him in New York... And we were the best of friends in New York. And when he would visit or I would come back here, of course, we would see each other. We always kept in touch even though we were across the country. And when he asked me to marry him, I had told my parents a long time ago that if I wanted to marry someone, I wanted to be just like him because he was, at that point, he was my best friend. Mm -hmm. So when he asked me to marry him, his world was here. He owned a business. So it wasn't easy for him to pick up. It was easier for me to pick up. And so I did leave my family behind over there because at that point, my brother had already moved back to, um, had moved to California uh, as well. So I had no, no siblings here and So I came to Connecticut, which I had never been to Connecticut before, (laughs) and got off the plane in New York and driven right to Connecticut, where I've remained now for a long time. (laughs) A long time. A long time. Have you thought since moving to Connecticut about leaving Connecticut? Well, that I think about all the time. Yeah. But when my kids were little, I wanted to go back to California um, because I wanted to be near my family. Yeah. Um, so, but that never did come to be. Yeah. Okay. So you decide to move to Connecticut and dad and you get married. How far, how long after you moved to Connecticut did dad and you get married? Uh, about a year. Yeah. About a year. Okay. So you get married, and what year do you get married? 1981. 1981. And then you have Matthew in 1984, Mm -hmm. and you have me in 1988. 
Mm-hmm. Talk to me about first becoming a mom. Was it what you thought that it would be? What I thought it would be. Yeah, it pretty much was. Um, Matthew and I, actually, we had a lot of fun together. He was my buddy. <laughs> he was my buddy. <laughs> he was my buddy. Even when you were born, he and I used to go out on dates. We yeah. used to go for dates because I didn't want him to feel left out. But no, he and I, we were buddies. I would take him everywhere. We would go everywhere together. Um and he was not an easy child, um, so he couldn't really be be left with others for too long a period of time. I was staying at home, so it was him and I. Mm-hmm. How did that shift once I was born? Um, well, I had gone back to work part-time when he was about two. And then when I was pregnant with you, I was also still working. Then there were two of you. But as those years go by, you make the decision that you want to go back to school. Yes? Right. And you go back to school for nursing. Well, I didn't necessarily know I wanted to go back to school for another degree or anything like that. I always wanted to be a nurse. Mm -hmm. But in the 70s, there were a glut of nurses. There were, it was very hard to even get into a nursing school. Mm -hmm. Uh, When I finally decided that's what I wanted to do and be. Um, I applied for many, many schools in the New York area. Got accepted to all of the schools, but not directly into a nursing program. Mm. That was more difficult to do. Um, So I did not. Even when we moved to California, I was not accepted into a nursing program. And but I was trying to do all my general education, do all my sciences, get all that done in hopes to be accepted into the nursing program, but they were accepting maybe five a year. Oh, wow. And if you didn't have all A's, you weren't getting in, and I was not a straight-A student at that point. Yeah. So I graduated with another degree after being a in school for about four and a half total college years, I I came out with a Bachelor of Arts degree with no direction. Mm-hmm. And then when I went back to school, I really only thought that to better myself, I wanted to take a, a class. Mm-hmm. But I loved science and I loved social science, and I did not know what I wanted to take. So actually, it was a choice between a course on death and dying or a course on microbiology for fun. And I took microbiology for fun. Thank you. That just sounds, I mean, I'm sure the death and dying course could have had its perks. (laughs) <laughs> but like that sounds like such a I mean I guess in retrospect like one of my favorite courses in college was a history course on the holocaust not the happiest of subjects but I was fascinated by it so I would assume that you'd probably learn a lot of interesting stuff in a death and dying course Elizabeth Kubler-Ross I was very interested in her philosophy what's her deal on death and dying on the stages of death and dying So you go back and you take this microbiology class and then you make the decision that you want to do what? Well, actually, I think I've told you this before. 
I went and took the class locally at a local college, university. And when I was done, I got an A. And it had been 20 years since I had been to college. (laughs) And I got an A. And I was so proud of myself (laughs) that I said, oh, I want to take another one. What should I take? So I didn't know, and I looked at the book again, and I really didn't know where I wanted to go with that. So I saw a counselor in the health science department because I was taking sciences. And they said, well, what have you taken already? So I happened to have not a transcript, but a whole list of the courses that I took at Sacramento State University. And I said, well, here, this is what I've taken. And I made another appointment. And within two weeks, I got an acceptance letter into their nursing program. And I didn't apply. Now, this is something that I wanted to do 20 years earlier. Yeah. And now it was like a dare. How could I not take that dare? Yeah. So they wanted me in the nursing program. I went. I went. When you went, were you were there other people your age in the nursing program? Or I was were you, the oldest. I was going to say, were you the oldest student? I was the oldest. <laughs> what movies, like what old people's college movies are there that we should be referencing right now? Oh, I know. Like, can't think of anything at the moment. Oh my God. I've seen so plenty. many movies like where like, <laughs> doesn't Melissa McCarthy go back to school and she's old in some movie? Anyway, how how was that for you? It was okay. Yeah. Um, some of my, you know, one of my best friends now, we were in nursing school together and we're still really good friends to this day. Is it Van Wilder? The only one I can think of is the one with Drew Barrymore and she goes back to high school as the journalist. Has that never been kissed? That's it. Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. Okay. How did you feel about going back to school? Did you have any guilt not being a stay-at-home mom anymore? I don't know that I had guilt at that point because you were all in school and I did this when you weren't home. So it wasn't like I wasn't there except for the fact when I had to study. So there were times that I wasn't available to play, but I tried to do my studying was done at night or on the weekends when your dad could play with you if he was home Mm -hmm. and, and get it done that way. But I kind of did it when you when you guys weren't even home. You had your own things going on. Your brother was eight by then, so and you were five. Five. So actually, maybe you were four. Yeah. So when you graduate from nursing school, do you think that you're going to be for sure like a nurse in a hospital, or are you thinking about other things that you could be doing? No, I wanted to be a nurse in the hospital. Yeah. What was that first job like for you? Because that was your first full-time job since having children, right? Yes. Okay. Well, I was evenings, which was better than days. And that way I could get you guys off on the buses. You know, you weren't you weren't by yourselves. You were in uh, after-school programs and things like that. So it worked out really well. It was, it was tough to be away from everybody for the whole day. Mm-hmm. So as far as being a mother, the job itself, nursing is a hard job. And nursing is a, it's, it's an emotional and physical job. Yeah. And here I had a family that I had to be concerned about as well. 
And um, so that that was hard, too, because I at that point, um, I think your dad had his own company. So he was pretty taken up with with taking care of that because starting a new company is not easy. Yeah. And it requires a lot of time. Although nursing was a demanding profession, were you enjoying it? Like, was it what you thought that it would be? Yeah, I did enjoy it. Um, I learned an awful lot. I I decided, originally, I even when I was in school, I thought I wanted to be a maternal child nurse. Mm. And... I think even when I got closer to graduating, I thought I would even look into the NICU, Mm -hmm. the the neonatal intensive care, but I didn't want to specialize at that point because if you don't have enough experience, you're kind of stuck there. You can't go elsewhere. Mm -hmm. So I just started with the med surge and uh, ultimately got my way into the intensive care unit, which I enjoyed very much. That like scares the hell out of me to think to be in that. <laughs> and well, and once you're critical care, then you can, they believe you can do anything. So I used to float down to the ER and when push came to shove, they would float you over to maternity. To be like in that, like so many different, like so many different capacities of work then. Like you're just taking care of so many different types of people. Mm-hmm. Have a favorite? Um, I like the ICU. Yeah. That was probably my favorite. Why? Um, I liked the pace of it. It wasn't as hectic as the ER, um, but it had its stress level, no doubt. But it made you really feel like you were doing a difference, making mm. a difference. Mm-hmm. Um, these people really needed you, and they needed you to be smart. They needed you to be um, good with your assessments and to monitor for changes because things can change on a dime. Yeah. And it was a very... I, I loved it. I really loved it. When we get to the point where I am going to college, do you think that, do you think I made the right decision with where I went to college? <laughs> I think you made the only decision. Unfortunately, I know how bad you wanted Boston. Yep. Um, Syracuse was up there as well. And then there was UConn which you did not want to go to. But unfortunately, we didn't know how to afford one of the other colleges. When I think about all of that in retrospect, A, not scarred from that experience at all, worked out quite well for all of us. Um, I'll remember this if if and when I have children, when they're deciding like where they're going to go to school, in my head, I'm going to be like, they will be fine if they go to the Yukon of this situation. I I totally wanted to, I mean, I got into Boston, I got into Syracuse, I think I got into almost every school. You got I applied into to. every school you applied to. We never heard from Fordham ever. Oh, yeah. That's Isn't true. that interesting? Yeah. No, I always think about that. They never got back to us. Um, it wasn't in the cards. I that was I wasn't ready for that New York chapter yet. But I think about that, uh, that decision and us sitting at the kitchen table and you guys were like, where do you want to go? And in my head, I was like, I want to go to UConn because I didn't know how to go to like I 
but couldn't go to Syracuse. We couldn't go to Syracuse. But I also think like even when I, I remember reading the Boston University acceptance, like in the email, like when email first really started and we opened the email and I got the BU acceptance and like it was exciting for like literally 30 seconds like that, like really big thing because then you immediately open the financial aid package and it like it's a joke. I think it was like $2,000 they gave us. Yeah, pretty much. And it wasn't even like I was I wasn't even bummed about it because it was just like, this isn't a thing. This isn't a thing that we're going to do. It was such a slap in the face like that aid package. And you were a very smart student. You had a good GPA. Yeah. So for them not to offer you something was kind of surprising mm-hmm. or something significant, I yeah. should say, because they did or everybody offered you something. Um, but the private schools were just more than we could afford Mm -hmm. or even know how to make that happen. In high school, when I started to take on positions of leadership, what did that, what did you think about that? I was very proud. Yeah. I was very proud. I, I'll admit it. I took some credit for it. (laughs) Just like I take credit for you tying your shoes. Thank you. Thank you. It's interesting to me because I get asked often if I like was raised in a certain way that empowered me to kind of take that initiative and the leadership that I was referencing. I was uh, president of my region of my youth group, which was an international, which is an international youth group now, B'nai B'rith. But it was interesting for me because I don't think I... I don't know where that came from. Like, I don't know where I think about this all of the time because I like wanted to be the person that I always wanted to be someone that helped other people. But I, I don't know. Well, the way I see it, and there's always two sides to what people see, mm-hmm. um, is that you were allowed choices. We always allowed you to make a choice. We could guide you one way or another. But even as far as religion, you were brought up with two religions. Yeah. So what was important to us at one point was that you actually have one but can choose whatever. And we chose to give you experiences in both of them yeah um so and that's the same thing we're allowing you to have a choice and I think we allowed you to make your choices you've always been outgoing you've always been um very social Mm -hmm. um like we talked about not too long ago uh when what was what was that that you were telling me and I oh when you got this new apartment. Yeah. And um, I said to you, I said, well, um, when they said to you that they were that there were five other people and the way that you spoke to these people, I said, that's how you got to be Lavinia Warren. Oh, right. Because you were always interested in engaging people and finding out about them. You weren't always, you weren't an into yourself kind of kid. So mom's referencing when I was 11, I entered 10. When fifth I was, grade. Yes. Fifth grade. When I was 10, I entered like this local personality contest kind of like it was a personality beauty ish. 
No, I don't it, know was, it was beauty contest. It was the Barnum Festival. Okay. Because the Shakespeare Theater and Barnum were up here. This is where they were. Barnum was at Bridgeport. Yeah. And they had a Barnum Festival and they chose the king and the queen and the it's prince. It's a scholarship program. It is. Yeah. And then the youngest were the Tom and Lavinia Warren. And these are all like actual real people that they kind of make these makeshift roles and have these like personality pageants for lack of a better designation. And mom always reflects on this that when I won this contest, so to speak, at age 10, it was because I was asking the judges about themselves and not just talking about myself. That's right. And the judge said to us, she was the only one that even asked us anything. I would assume that that, I mean, that has to be modeled behavior though. I don't think like when you're, when before, when you were talking about like, we empowered you to make choices and we hope that we did good. I think doing good with raising me is modeling good behavior that I then, you know, took into my own as I was coming into my own. Well, we tried to make sure that you knew that kindness was important, you know, understanding other people and seeing the differences. You also had the opportunity when you were growing up, you had all of dad's family, they had longevity. So you had a great grandmother. Mm -hmm. So you saw that kind of a hierarchy in a family. Yeah. You saw the great grandparents, the grandparents, Mm -hmm. you know, things like that. So you had respect for elders. You had, you were shown respect for other people. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where a lot of that came from. You already had that. How did you feel when I, because I don't really consider like college, like moving out, moving out. Like I feel like obviously it's moving out, but How did you feel when I moved to New York? I realized what my mother felt like when I left California. Yeah. I was so much closer, though. I know. But you still weren't right there. Yeah. You know, and it's the same thing now. When Matthew was up from Florida and he went home, I felt the same way. I now know exactly how my mother felt when I would come visit and I would go away. Yeah. Because even though you're in New York State, well, even if it wasn't, I guess if we didn't have the pandemic, it would have definitely been a little busier. I mean, excuse me, it would have been different because I probably would have seen you more than once or twice in 2020. Yeah. So even though you're close by, but... It's it's still, it's not like I can say, oh, Em, let's go have some lunch. Yeah. You know, we can't do that. Mm-hmm. So so it is different. I mean, and I know that you're out there and, and yeah, we worried being in a big city. I, I mean, I lived in San Francisco, but New York City still intimidates me. Yeah, I know. It's, it's big and you, you have that ability to go and do and get on the subway and you see when I would come visit you I'm sure I'm going to wind up on the wrong subway yeah you know things like that but um you got on buses you got in the subway you took the train you went all over you didn't have that fear but then again we sent you to camp for four weeks let's unpack that real quick six or seven or something like that thoughts on sending me away every summer 
Well, they didn't have too much option. Um, it used to be that was the option. Yeah. It was one month or nothing. Um, they did have a, a one-week camp thing. Otherwise, it was literally a month. Do you feel like sending me to summer camp uh, in some ways was kind of like an opportunity for you as a mom to also kind of recharge a little bit? Yes. Yeah. Uh, because as I mentioned before, I didn't have any family here. So, and it wasn't always easy to find babysitters that you felt comfortable with either. I'll never forget. Um, you were, a, you were, God, under six months old. And I had gotten this babysitter and I don't remember how I got the babysitter. And we were scheduled to go to a party. And thankfully, you would go to sleep at five o'clock at night. Yeah. So that worked out pretty well. We would still get home before you even woke up again. But we went to get the babysitter. And I don't remember what happened, but she was not there. So their parents decided to substitute their other child, who was 11. And here I am looking at an 11-year-old and knowing at home I have arguments like a five-month-old. No way. Yes way. Wait, you didn't leave me with the 11-year-old? Yes, we did. Oh <laughs> my God. We were in the same town. We were Mom! <laughs> how could you do that? We only went for a very <laughs> short period of time. I hope it was a great party. We went. What as, was memorable at all? Was it memorable at all? Yes, because oh. it was a Halloween party. What did and, you go as? Uh, we were the Smurfs. Wow. 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 <laughs> but it was in the same town. We weren't gone long. And I will say it's your father's fault. Oh, my God. I can't believe you did that. I can't wait to grill him on this later. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. He's going to kill us. He might not remember. <laughs> um. So first mom takeaway. What is, do you have a proudest moment as my mom just one yeah oh, if you have to give me two you can give me two but oh i i have a lot of really <laughs> proud moments <laughs> of course when you did some of your milestones like when you walked when you talked mm -hmm. those were really good every time you graduated from something that was really good yeah when you got to be able to do some things by yourself yeah and that, that was always good when you, you were always a, you were a really good baby. I mean, you were really good. I'm surprised nothing you're referencing is like me as an adult here. You're well, still I have to start. I still have to start <laughs> down in the beginning. I have every magazine you've ever written anything in, at least up into the self magazine. Cause yeah. I, I know you do so much freelance now. I can't keep them. <laughs> I have a whole folder full of all your hurdle weeklies. I have a lot of stuff you've written that I've kept Yeah, because I'm proud of all that. I have no, I don't know where your writing ability ever came from because writing. I feel from, like you're a great wordsmith and I can write very well, but it takes me a very very long time. I'm yeah. not the best right away. So I'm very proud of that ability of yours. I don't I don't know how you do it. The fact that you lost all that weight, the fact that you run, I 
I always wanted to run, never could, can't run and breathe oh, at the same time. I hate when she says this. She is empowered. She is capable. She I just cannot needs to start run and small. breathe at the same time. Oh, we're going to have to have a running <laughs> workshop after we get off this podcast. Um, I guess you were, when you were, I have a lot of proud moments though. I, the time that you finish that first marathon. Yeah. Every time you finish a marathon. Yeah, that's I cry crazy. I every cry single too. time. I know, same. So, you know, just the woman that you've become is my is I'm very proud of I I wish I felt that I was more responsible I think you're responsible in ways that you don't even realize um probably moms are responsible in ways that they surely don't realize if you had to offer me a piece of advice about raising my own daughter what would it be you're gonna make mistakes it's gonna happen just love them. How do you feel about me being, having some sort of a following on social media? Well, I think it's great. Do I worry? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. There are a lot of strange people out there and um, the internet is the internet now. I think this kind of goes back to the theme that you were saying earlier about like you just can't, you have to let go sometimes and just like let things happen. And I think at least I'm of the mindset that sometimes I'd like to like completely withdraw from social media, but I feel as though it is such an important tool to help me get to where I want to go and do what I want to do. Social media is, can be a pretty amazing tool. Yeah. Because it reaches so many people mm -hmm. that you wouldn't reach. If you look at some of the people that follow you, they're from all over this world. Yeah, they're it's crazy. They're not just from the metropolitan, the New York metropolitan area. Yeah. They're not just from New England. Mm -hmm. But I think you have probably someone in many, if not all, of the continents. Oh, yeah. So I don't know about Antarctica. I don't know about that. We'd have to look into that. Yeah, we okay. could. Mm -hmm. But it's amazing. And I look at the comments that people make. Mm -hmm. um, you remember when they when you wrote something and they didn't like it and I and you said, Don't look at these things. Don't mm -hmm. when you were in the beginning when you were like in uh, doing that blog, your first yeah. job, and then people would say something, not against you, but just against something, and I was like that's my child. Why are you saying these bad things? Yeah. Of course, I don't say anything. Yeah. I think sometimes I like want to protect you from not getting worried about me. Did you well, do that for your mom too? Yeah. I think it's probably different now because like my life is so such an open book. Well, my parents that while they, um, I think my mother went on Facebook once and then said that wasn't for her because <laughs> she didn't want to be friended by people she didn't <laughs> like which were just some other people yeah <laughs> that she did know <laughs> um but she she really only wanted it for family to see pictures and things like that yeah. being so spread apart with whatever few family that was left no it is it's difficult and I I I know you do that because I uh I have seen some pictures that you post after you're home safely on ground um, some of your rock climbing pictures and things <laughs> like that that you've done in the past. Oh, if you had to guess, where do you see me in 10 years? Oh, that's tough. Uh, that's a tough one. I know where I'd like to see you in 10 years. Where would you like to see me in 10 years? Every parent, or maybe I shouldn't say every parent, this parent would like to see you. You have your career set 
I'd like to see your personal life set. Yeah. Then I know it's all good. I know that my kids are happy, healthy, and living their best life. That's all I want. And I would like to see that sooner than 10 years because <laughs> I'd like some time to enjoy that. <laughs> you talk like you're on your way out. And it's like <laughs> just so awful. I'm not, we're not, we have so much time. Uh, never, never okay. say, let's, never say. Let's just hold on to this time <laughs> at this moment when I can listen to you this. You have to take time. You have to take it now while you have it, you know? Well, everybody's healthy, thank goodness. I mean, that was scary when you were in New York and, and that was so riddled with COVID. Yeah. And, you know, but I knew that you would, that you took it seriously. Yeah. As opposed to your brother who did not take it seriously. He also lives in Florida. And he lives in Florida. <laughs> um, you know, we worry. Parents worry that their kids are going to be sick, that their kids are hurt. It doesn't matter how old you are. Yeah. It makes no difference. What is one lesson that I've taught you? To be fierce. Oh, fierce is such a word. If you want something, go for it. You know how I finish the podcast off. Right now, you have an opportunity to offer yourself a piece of advice before you ever became a mom. What do you tell yourself? Cherish every single day because they grow up so fast. I always used to look at when I would hold you, I would look at your little hand and try and put that in my brain that I would not forget what that little hand looked like or that little foot or anything like that. I used to say, I want to see this. I want to remember this. So many times we let things just go by so fast without stopping to take a moment. And life happens so fast. And you're not, you can go forward. You can't go back. So don't, don't forget to stop and smell the little baby shampoo. It's so interesting because usually at this point, I would ask you to tell the hurdlers where they could follow along with you, <laughs> but you're not a big, can't follow along with me. <laughs> no, you can, you can wave to her if you see her on her walks in Milford. In Milford. Yep. By I'm the beach. On my walks liking everything that you post <laughs> you'll see her in the likes and in the comment section no I don't comment too much <laughs> but I like everything like everything I am over at hurdle podcast at Emily body happy mother's day mom thank you Emily <laughs> another hurdle conquered catch you guys next time